snow-covered slope before disappearing between the dense pines where she would be hidden from view she would outrun them he had seen his wife for the last time at the top of an elevation and at the same time spotted the hunters as they appeared over the next hilltop the afternoon sun was behind them and the hunters cast long shadows the ones at the front had caught sight of him their whistles echoing once more through the lowlands His Norwegian wife had taught him to love the bleak landscape of northern Norway. They hadn't been to the mountains since the birth of their twins two years ago, and they couldn't wait any longer. When they saw a weather forecast for Finnmark that promised calm, cloudless days, he persuaded his mother to have the twins and booked two seats on the plane from Copenhagen to Oslo, and onwards from Oslo to Lokselv. There they had dined at the almost empty Vatsus. It was early in the season, and the hostess had been delighted to see them. Afterwards they had shared a bottle of good red wine in their room, made love under cold duvets, and slept a heavy and carefree slumber. The next morning they had walked north along the east shore of Porsangir Fjord, hitched a lift with a truck going to Vakara, and then headed into the mountains. Their plan was to hike thirty kilometres north-northeast to Shasvatne, pitch their tent, do a bit of fishing, take a few pictures, just have a couple of days to themselves before returning to Lokself. They had walked under the spring sun, inhaling the scents which the thousands of lakes and moors, whose black eyes cracked under their boots, released in the spring. He had caught a couple of winter dopey trout in Shasvatne, and the fish lay heavy, cold and firm in his hands. He wrapped them in moss inside his creel, and Ingrid lit a campfire. The frost made the trees creak, but they snuggled up in their sleeping bags close to the fire, leaning against the trunks of a small copse of birch while they ate. Later that night he was woken up by the low, steady sound of a helicopter far away in the east, but thought nothing of it. They often heard helicopters fly patients to the hospitals in Shikines or Hammerfest, or taking supplies or crew to the oil fields in the North Sea. The county covered almost 18,000 square miles and was practically uninhabited, except for the two of them, a few windswept villages along the coast, the nomadic Sami and their reindeer. He had fallen asleep again and had no clear recollection of waking up. From then on, everything was brief, disjointed fragments— a glimpse of a cold, starry night as their tent was cut from its frame above them, Ingrid's short cry, a blue, crackling flash, pain and darkness. He couldn't move a muscle, yet he could feel himself being lifted up in his sleeping bag and carried away under the stars. Later he realized that they had been incapacitated with an electric stun gun, just like in the movies. The silhouette of the helicopter blacked out the sky above them, They were put on the floor inside it, and the aircraft wobbled as the men embarked. Weightlessness. Transport. Their kidnappers had not said one word, not to each other, not to Ingrid or to him. A few minutes later, one of them leaned forwards with a syringe in his hand and stuck the needle through Ingrid's sleeping bag into her thigh, and her semi-conscious whimpering stopped. He had seen droplets of a clear liquid being forced out of a second syringe. Then the man had kneeled down by his head and found his arm 
inside the sleeping bag. He regained consciousness after swimming towards a glowing rectangle and found himself sitting naked on a concrete floor, shivering from the cold and looking at an empty window frame, which was brighter than the surrounding wall. His body must have woken up before his mind because he had managed to stay balanced on his buttocks and heels. His hands were blue and swollen under the tight cable tie around his wrists. A steel wire connected the cable tie to a ring in the floor. Stone slabs lay piled to the rafters at one end of the room, and he guessed that they must be in one of the many abandoned slate quarries in the region. He heard a sigh, a scraping of nails on concrete next to him, and rolled onto his side so that his face would be the first thing Ingrid saw. They were pressed against each other, as much as the wires allowed when the door was opened. Two dark figures appeared with the low.